the Premier Aerodynamics Podcast. If you ever wanted to fly, click the subscribe button. All right, everyone, welcome to the Premier Aerodynamics Podcast. Today, we're talking about flying dinosaurs. So dinosaurs are cool, flying is cool. Together, they make cool squared, and that's how it works. And dinosaurs, uh, when they flying dinosaurs, they sort of fell into two main categories. They had dinosaurs that could uh, fly under their own powered flight, so they could flap their wings like a regular bird and they'd go really far. There were the other types of dinosaurs who were gliders. And there were so many different types of dinosaurs that could fly, and they took place over like 200 billion years. The first ones were the pterosaurs, and they came out around the Triassic period, and they lasted all the way until the Cretaceous period. Then there were other ones that didn't really last very long at all, like a million years. And that's because some were a lot more successful at flying than others. And take, for example, the gliders. Uh, there's a main theory about gliders that they develop their gliding abilities through um, they used to jump off of things <laughs> like they used to jump off of trees and like, cliffs and that probably to escape predators but maybe for a good time I don't know uh, and then those that managed to parachute all the way down to the ground safely they'll then obviously go on to breed and um, then those uh, physical characteristics that help them parachute would then get amplified and then over the generations and then become wings and then I'll be able to glide a lot better. Uh, so let me show you some examples of all these different types of dinosaurs. There are a lot. This one here is called the Microraptor GUI. And this is, in my, to me, this is my favorite one. Uh, the main reason why is because it has a wing on each of its limbs. So it has its arms, I guess, and then its two legs, and each one has a wing, and it has a, quite a long tail. And another thing that's really cool is that you can look at the trailing edge of each of the wings on its arms, let's say, and they sort of sort of form a U shape. Then on its legs, the tra the uh, leading edge on its legs has a U shape as well. So you can sort of see how the leg uh, wing could attach, sort of go in line with the um, arm wing and create one really big wing and then when they needed to um, have some more agility they'll be able to break those two and then um, fly a lot more agile and this is one type this is a really tiny bird a really tiny dinosaur not a bird but it looks quite like a, a bird and you can see that it even has some wing tips which is pretty cool like these feathers here which i'm not going to get into in this uh, podcast then you have this dinosaur here this is probably the most well-known one. It's called the uh, pterodactyl, and everyone's kind of heard of this. And it's safe to say that if you saw one of these in the skies today, you'd probably need a new pair of underwear. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a pretty scary thing. And it's very different to what we just saw, like this one here. This had um, wings, very separate wings on its arms and its legs. It's almost like a bird. This one only has wings on its arms, really. Its feet, there weren't, wasn't anything around there. Then you go on to this dinosaur here. This is another pterosaur. So that last one that we saw, that was a pterodactyl, which was part of the pterosaur family. This is another pterosaur. And in my opinion, this is the, the best one because uh, you have like the regular wing platform here that you'd expect around its shoulders, but then its feet has these webbings. And then you have this really long tail. And at the end you have um, like this, little surface area. And to me, that, that tail is the most interesting thing out of all of these dinosaurs. Now, obviously the feet, 
these webbings, that means that they did generate some um, vertical force with them, so they could use them for control. But the tail is really interesting because of how long it is. So what would the tail be used for? Looking at how long it is and where it's positioned, it's and its shape, it's almost certainly not going to be used for pitching. So when you have a body, let's say an aircraft, pitching is when you nose up or nose down. Uh, that's not going to affect the pitch of this dinosaur too much, this tail, because it's not really generating any force in the vertical direction up or down. Now, uh, some forces that it could produce are from side to side, and that could help with the roll, but the main reason why it isn't is because, why it wouldn't help with the roll is because this tail, this um, surface here, is pretty much on the exact same axis as this dinosaur would roll on. So there's always no moment arm. So it's not going to have much of an effect with roll. The final uh, uh, direction that it could affect is the yaw. So when you um, pitch around a little bit, not pitch, but yaw around. And the reason why this is a far more likely scenario that it's going to be controlling the yaw is because of just the geometry. I mean, you have a small surface area, so it's going to be producing a little bit of force. But it's so far away from this axis, which this dinosaur will be rotating about, which is going to be around in the middle of its body. Like it's pretty much as long as its body again away. So you have this massive moment arm away from the axis that it's going to rotate about. So you only need a little bit of force to rotate this entire dinosaur around. Now, while this produces a lot more stability in the yaw, one major drawback that it would have had is that um, it would be less agile because of uh, its shape. So because it has all this mass so far away from the center of the axis, um, it takes a lot more force to actually rotate it. Now, granted uh, through evolution, I'm guessing this became very skinny and thin, so it's not that much force but it is a lot more than if you just had a very short tail. The trade-off with that would be, you'd have to have a much larger surface area of this control surface, which means that you'd get a lot more drag. So you're trading agility for um, reducing the drag penalty that you need for stability. But yeah, this is probably my favorite dinosaur here. Then this is another pterosaur. Now, as you can see, the fangs there, and it kind of has a tail sort of at the back. So it has a similar sort of plan form to this other dinosaur here. And then finally, this is um, another interesting design. It doesn't look like much to begin with, uh, just like a regular bird flapping around. Once you look in more detail, it um, there are some really interesting features. The thing that really stands out to me is that there's no uh, there's only one lifting surface really, it's only around its shoulders and the rest of its torso. There's no tail, there's nothing at the front of its head. It's all around the shoulders and torso. So that means that uh, it's not controlling itself in the same way as the other dinosaurs that we were talking about before. Everything to do with stability, so the roll, like rolling around to the pitch, to the yaw, that's all being controlled just through this massive surface area. And it kind of makes sense that it can do that because the wing extends from the shoulders all the way to the knees. So the entire, like 80% of the actual dinosaur is inside this um, plant form here. So it's quite a stable design. 
so that's why I wouldn't need the tail perhaps. These are these ones here that I just showed you. They're called uh, most of them are pterosaurs, but they were all um, able to have power to fly. They were able to uh, run on the ground, jump up a little bit, and flap like a regular bird, and achieve takeoff that way. Now, those ones were not the only types of dinosaurs that were around. As I said earlier, there were some gliders. And we're going to look at a paper actually that I, I found. It's from about a few months ago. So it's quite new. And it's called Aerodynamic, Aerodynamic Show Membraned Wing Theropods for a Poor Gliding Dead End. And this is an open access um, Creative Commons paper. So it's really accessible. And that paper looked into two gliders, one called the Yiki and one called the Amroteryx. And they were both uh, quite interesting because they, again, had a different evolutionary pathway. The paper concluded that they weren't great gliders, uh, which we'll get into in a, in a second, and so they subsequently died out. Let's get into the paper here. So that's it here. Uh, let's go to figure five, because that's one of the most interesting parts of the, of the paper. Oh, here we go. So this is figure five here. And uh, just quickly, let's zoom out a little bit. So each one of these four models, exactly that, so it's a model. And what they're basing this on is uh, these bones that they found. So the white lines in this figure, in each of these figures, they're bones that they've found, but they don't know um, what the exact geometry of them were in relation to the actual bird or the dinosaur <laughs> or uh, each other. <laughs> so they could have been in quite a few different configurations. And depending on the configuration, that's going to change uh, what the wing looked like. In addition to these bones that they found, they also found skin. So like, give me some skin. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> This skin um, actually was the membrane that formed pretty much the wing. And in addition to the skin, they found feathers. And to me, this is the most interesting thing um, that they found. If you look at these figures, each of them have a brown and a dark gray area. And it's always near the leading edge of the wing. And these are feathers. The rest of the wing does not have feathers. They just had uh, skin. So uh, this is a quite interesting uh, design. And the reason why I think they had feathers on the leading edge, because the pterosaurs didn't have feathers on, the, on their wings. They just had them really on their bodies mainly. The little bird, the little dinosaur that we saw at the start, that had feathers. But the rest of them, they were just um, skin. And the reason why I think they had feathers uh, on the leading edge is because of it's an aerodynamic feature actually and to appreciate why we should look at um, the difference between uh, flap, flapping flight so powered flight and gliding flight for flapping flight um, uh, let me just increase here we go so for flapping flight you're flapping up and down with your arm and this let's say this is the leading edge here just behind the leading edge one flow feature that occurs is a vortex. And it, as you flap down, it's quite brief that it forms, but it does form and it's very important. What this does is it creates this low suction 
area just behind the trailing edge, but behind the leading edge. So that means that any flow hitting the wing and going over, you have this suction pulling it down, and it's going to make sure that it stays attached to the wing. That's one of the big um, benefits of this vortex. The other benefit is that it has sort of like now a, a pseudo canvas slash pseudo thickness to the wing. So because this is sort of like a, a segregated body of air to the rest of the wing, it acts as an additional uh, thickness and canvas to the wing. And the reason why this is important um, for flapping wings compared to gliding wings is because for gliding wings, the wing is just stationary. You just pitch it at a certain angle and you just drift down. There's no real flapping. Um, so that produces a problem with aerodynamics. And the reason why is because uh, a wing from dinosaurs, this, this skin membrane over just some bones, is really, really thin. It's just effectively just a flat plate. So if you get a flat plate and you put it into a wind tunnel or you put it into CFD or whatever, and you put it at a zero degrees angle attack, cool. The air is going to go over it and it's going to stay attached, no problem. But as soon as you pitch it even to like one degree, the flow is going to separate and you're going to get a complete stall. So the flat plate is no good at all for really producing lift in a real scenario, in a real, real life situation. And for gliders, that's a problem. For flapping wings, it's not a problem because you flap and you create that vortex on the just uh, after the leading edge, that sucks the flow down, everything's fine. For gliding, when you pitch the wing, um, it's going to separate. And that means you lose your lift and everything, and you're just going to plump to the ground. But with these dinosaurs here, having feathers on the leading edge actually increases the leading edge thickness. So now you've actually got a thicker leading edge, which means it's not really a flat plate anymore. It's going to approximate more of an airfoil and a cambered airfoil with uh, some thickness. So the flow is going to stay attached much better and you can pitch it to much higher angles of attack, maybe five degrees or 10 degrees. So that was really interesting why there were feathers there. And uh, I think that that's the most uh, likely reason why they were there for aerodynamic purposes. And uh, one thing that uh, we should cover is actually that why they thought that these dinosaurs were um, gliders, the Yiki and the Amateryx. And the reason why they thought it were, there were two reasons. One of them was um, the shoulder joints. So the shoulder joints for these dinosaurs, they weren't rotated um, in the right position to facilitate a proper flapping motion. Um, so that means that flapping probably wasn't what they did. The other reason why they think that they were gliders is because of the pectoral muscles that they found. So the pectoral muscles are in the chest and they're what help the dinosaur pull its wing down. Now, they found that they had very small pectoral muscles, so they weren't strong enough to pull the wing down or with enough stamina to do it for a sustained period of time. So in the dinosaur world, <laughs> these dinosaurs were more like um, those guys in the gym who just work out their arms, but not their chest. So they have huge arms, but really tiny baby chests. <laughs> and just as a, um, just quickly, this podcast is sponsored by the Atmosphere Hawk. Now let me stop this here. This is an instrument that measures the temperature, barometric pressure, and humidity very accurately. And the reason why every aerodynamicist needs one is because on a regular day, just like a typically a regular day, 
in a wind tunnel, the temperature, barometric pressure, and humidity all change enough to create like a three to four percent error in the density of air. And if you're not taking measurements, these parameters, um, you're going to carry forward that error into all of your other measurements. So your Reynolds number, your force coefficients, um, or your wake surveying, everything. So you need one of these to measure these parameters very accurately and does it for you. It um, plugs into a computer very easily and um, the link is in the description, so pick one up. So going back to dinosaurs now, we were looking at why these dinosaurs were uh, gliders and we concluded that it was because of their shoulder joints and um, their pectoral muscles weren't big enough. So they were almost certainly gliders. Now, these researchers went even further and they calculated the wing loading on these four models. So these four models here, they are um, kind of like an educated guess as to what the wing platform would look like based on what we know today and back then. So the bat model here is probably the most familiar, at least to me. So bats have a very similar platform actually to dinosaurs. They have their bones and just skin going over it and they have some feathers here and there. Then you have uh, this one here. It's these two here actually were um, concluded to the least likely because they're very small surface areas. So that means that you have a very high wing loading. It's far too high. We'll get to that in a second. And then this one here is the other likely one. So this is a pterosaur model, like the pterodactyl and the other ones that we saw before those pictures. And the reason why they think that maybe this one was potentially um, how these dinosaurs looked were because there were other dinosaurs around the same time that had similar uh, wings. And with these four models, they calculated the uh, wing loading. And in figure six here, they plotted it against regular animals that are still around today. So you have like the flying fishes, you have reptiles and um, some sort of mammal, I guess maybe a squirrel or maybe a raccoon or something. Uh, and then on this side from about, from about here, they're the, um, they're the Yi and the Amoterix, the interpolated models based on those other platforms that they, they modeled. And so if you look at the wing loading on these animals here from today, you see that they're, they're around about 35 to 110. That's the juicy range. Anything higher, it starts to become um, a little bit skeptical as to that they could actually glide. Maybe the wing loading was too high and it just wouldn't work. So from these models that we went through before, they concluded that, okay, the two models that um, fall inside this nice uh, range is the bat model and the pterosaur model. The other two models, I'm not going to try to pronounce that name, I'm probably going to Manoraptor or something, butcher it or something. These ones were uh, way too high wing loads. So these dinosaurs probably looked like uh, either the bat, they had wings like the bat or the pterosaur. Okay, so we've now gone through uh, what they look like, the different types of um, dinosaurs out there. The final thing we'll talk about is just how good were they at flying and at gliding. So uh, one way to figure that out is how long they were around for. And as I said, the pterosaurs that around for like 200 million years, something like that, like they were really good at what they did. Then there are other ones that didn't last that long, maybe like a million years, which is still pretty good considering that that's like around the same time frame that humans have been around on Earth. Um, so they, they weren't still that bad, but you know, not that great. 
Another way of figuring out how good they were at flying is by looking at the lift and drag coefficients. So they, these lift and drag coefficients, they give you an idea as to um, how efficient they could fly. So the higher the lift coefficient, the more lift they were producing, and the lower the drag, the more efficiently they were doing that, uh, generally speaking. And for these larger dinosaurs, the lift coefficient was around 1 to 1.5, which was actually really good. Um, but the drag is where it gets even more interesting. So to give you an idea of the drag coefficient of modern day birds, they're around um, 0.3 to 0.4. It's not that good, but you know, it works for them. So they're happy, whatever. <laughs> Compared to dinosaurs, these larger dinosaurs though, they, they weren't very good. The larger dinosaurs, their drag coefficient was like 0 0.2. Like that, that's really good. Um, so that gives you an indication of just how efficient they were at flying. And it makes sense because the larger dinosaurs, they were huge, man. They were like 10, 11 meters in wingspan, they, which is like 30, 35 feet wingspan. Regular, uh, the biggest birds today, they're like two. There's like an albatross and a pelican, and they're like 12 foot wingspans, but like three and a half meter wingspans. But they only weigh like 30 kilos, so like 60 pounds or so. The larger dinosaurs went up to 250 pounds, 250 kilos, like 550 pounds. So it makes sense that these things were uh, incredibly efficient because usually with the heart, the bigger you get, the more efficient you get at flying. So yeah, they were had really good drag coefficients, and 0.2 is sort of like it's actually very similar to putting just a regular NACA 0020 uh, airfoil in a wind tunnel, not a plane, not with the tail, nothing, just the wing itself, which is the most streamlined object of pretty much the entire uh, airplane. Just putting a 0020 in a wind tunnel gives you like a 0 0.2 around that uh, drag coefficient. So these entire dinosaurs were 0 0.2, the wings, the head, the body, the feet, and the tail, all together. That's amazing. And that's the bullshit I'm going to end on today. Okay, so that's the end of the podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe. Check out the Atmosphere Hall. And peace out, amigos.